Welcome to Portico Milton. And we're moving on into week two of our authentic series. And we're looking at the book of Romans in chapter 12. And if you have your Bibles, you may want to turn there this morning. And if you do need a Bible just to borrow this morning, you can slip your hand up and Peter will make sure that you get a copy of the Bible to share and borrow this morning. You can just leave that on your seat after the service and we'll get it back in there. But we are looking at how we love well in authenticity and how we have genuine, sincere love. And that comes to our love for God. It comes for love for our spouses and in relationships. It comes to our love with family and friends as well. And as we just saw on the video, we know there's a bond between a mother and a child that can seemingly never be broken. On, on a day that we honor moms, it's the fact that you've stayed devoted to your child in light of all the things that they've taken from you and asked from you. And, and that's just to be like commended right there. If, when you were younger, if we said we could give you a gift that was going to rob you of your time, money, physique, and free, would you have accepted that gift? That would have, that would have sounded like some kind of disease that you really wanted to stay away from. But when you realize that the gift is your child, it totally changes things. And there's this devotion that goes beyond regardless. And we're, we love when there's stuff that has been thrown on us. And we love when there has been things that have been done to us. And your devotion pushes beyond the boundaries of anything that would seem logical. <laughs> and this morning, what we want to do is look at, are there other kinds of relationships that would benefit from that same kind of devotion? Is there anything else that we could possibly choose to devote ourselves to that passionately? People who are fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs, you've been giving away your money and sanity for like 20 years, and there's been nothing giving back in return. We paint our faces and spend hundreds of dollars at the Air Canada Centre to see them lose game after game after game. Even when they totally with our emotions, they draw us in, and we seem to be have some kind of devotion to them. We know that people that serve in our military and in our police forces, we know that they risk their lives and they risk their safety so that our lives and our safety would be ensured. And they're devoted to an ideal at a very great cost. But our love for things and our love for ideals, they don't have the same kind of devotion and really shouldn't have the same kind of devotion that should be demonstrated in our love for people. So as we look at this next uh, portion in Romans chapter 12, and we're talking about authentic love, the very first word that we see there comes devoted, that sincere love should be devoted. And the meaning of this word is similar to the kind of devotion that a mother has to a child. That's the same kind of, of um, expression that's coming in the literal translation of that word. And it's one that isn't rocked, that, that devotion isn't rocked, by what life may throw our way. Now, we're going to play a little guessing game because we see in scriptures uh, one of Jesus' closest followers. So if you're familiar with the Bible this morning, I want you to just do a little bit of a guessing game with me. Who is this person that was so devoted that we're going to study this morning? This, this person, in their very first written encounter in the Bible, they were, they were healed. There was a miracle that took place in their very first encounter. This person is said to have... Uh, given financially to support the ministry of Jesus. They were healed. They gave financially. They're, they were present at the cross. So they were there at the cross scene. They were present at the burial. And they were one of the first people with whom Jesus spoke upon his resurrection. Anybody have some thoughts who, the, who that, that might be? A, a miracle. They gave financially there at the cross, there at the resurrection, and there at the burial. Who's that? Anybody? 
We got that? No, no one's going to risk it out there. Come on, there's nothing wrong. It sounds like one of the apostles, right? We would say, is that John? Did, did John have something? No, it's not John. Could it, could it be Mary, mother, mother of Jesus? Not who we're talking about. We're talking about Mary Magdalene, one of the most devoted followers of Jesus that we'll see in Scripture. And for a lady with this kind of devotion, her story, if you've been following pop culture and social media and our other media, we, we see her story dragged through the mud a bit lately. Church history over, over the years has actually depicted her. Was she a prostitute? In fact, was she the prostitute that, that broke the perfume and put it on Jesus' feet that he said, that's preparing me for my burial? And we've kind of said, no, that's not, that's not her. But for hundreds of years, people question that. If any of you are fans of Dan Brown and the book and the Da Vinci Code and The Last Temptation of Christ, they depicted her as possibly the bride of Christ. Was she married to Jesus and dragged her name and and Jesus' name kind of threw some places where we wouldn't, wouldn't want to go. And I don't know if you followed this lost gospel story that has come up over the last year and a bit, but it allegedly points her, was she the mother of Jesus or was she the bride of Jesus? And there's all these stories that are, that are giving a total different picture of Mary Magdalene. But if we study just what we see in the Bible, we see that she's characterized as one of the most faithful, devoted followers. And life has a way of shaking our devotion, even if we've made some pretty solid commitments, right? We hear people make commitments at the altar. They say, till death do us part. And that's kind of followed up with during our lives, unless we fall out of love and that parting happens. We just sang a song that said, you are my everything and I'll adore you, except when it makes us stand out and we don't really want to be seen as that religious freak or we don't feel like following Christianity anymore and then we back away from that commitment. Even to our friends, we'll look at each other and say, you know, I've got your back no matter what, unless it inconveniences me and my life. <laughs> but none of us ever set out to turn our backs on somebody that we care about, right? We don't, we don't enter into marriage. We don't enter into faith commitment with Christ. We don't even enter into friendship with the thought that we're going to turn our backs on them. But life happens, situations happen, and pressure comes, and sometimes we turn and we back away from those kinds of commitments. And what we want to look at this morning is that devotion emerges when the relationship is at risk. When things are going easy, there isn't really a question of devotion, because if it feels good to stay devoted, then we're not really sacrificing anything. But that true devotion that says, I'm going to stick with this regardless of what I experience, that only emerges when something puts that relationship at risk, when something could potentially end the relationship. And this morning, we're going to look at the life of Mary Magdalene, and we're going to see how she made it through four common threats that we would experience on a day-to-day basis that that, that, so we'll encounter these threats and it could challenge our true devotion to each other and to Christ. So if you have your notes, you can take uh, fill in the blanks or you can follow along on our version. Just search Portico or Milton on the live, uh, the live part for the version. And the first one is devotion in the midst of conflict. And we see this in Mary Magdalene's life. And this is the place where a lot of us start to lose our devotion. Someone that I once loved no longer seems to me the same way that I, I once felt about them, so the relationship begins to suffer. And for Mary, there's this, there's this little story in John chapter 6 where Jesus starts to characterize himself as the bread of life. And, and he told people that unless they eat his flesh and drink his blood, they couldn't have eternal life. 
Now, for anyone visiting here this morning, please don't get up and leave now. I know that sounds a little creepy, and he meant it in a symbolic way. He didn't mean it in a literal way, but look at what it says in John 66. It's not just you that feels a little freaked out about this. John 6:66 says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Well, no kidding. He just told them, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people heard this and they thought, I've had enough of this. This guy isn't turning out to be the person that we thought he was going to be. And now he's saying some crazy things. And I don't want to be around this people anymore. And conflict emerged within Jesus' closest followers. And we know that Mary was in this group. We know that since Mary had been, had been healed and she had this miracle happen, which we'll look at in a few moments, she was one of Jesus' very close followers. And in the midst of conflict, when everyone was saying, should we stay with him or should we not stay with him? I don't think this is worth it. And people are leaving. She says, no, I'm going to withstand public pressure and conflict from my peers and stick close to what I believe to be right. We know that within Con- when, when we experience conflict, our body has two natural responses. We, we hear this. It's fight or flight. In our relationships, one person will say something or they'll do something that bugs us and we either lay into them and we start fighting or we just kind of get out of that situation. For some of you, I hope this is not too close to home, but you've had this discussion this week. You say, you know, it's very important that we go to my mother's house on Mother's Day. (laughs) And the other one says, "Uh, no, but your mom doesn't like me and I really don't want to go. And I'll go as soon as your mom starts treating me differently. And in that situation, we're in conflict and we're trying to avoid at the same time. When there's conflict in our lives, we have a natural response. We fight it or we avoid it and we back away. And it's a natural physiological part of our, of our systems, it protects us. And it's how we respond in the midst of our conflicts. We're wired to be this way. So we don't feel guilty about it, but we have to understand it. It's not authentic love when in conflict we respond with fight or flight. We want to add a new one to it. It's fight, flight, or forgive. That's the choice that we have. And we looked at this a few weeks ago. We said that we don't need to be treated well to love well. To love well actually means we love beyond when it feels good. And in authentic, devoted relationships, we don't wait for someone else to treat us well. Mary had to trust that Jesus, who was saying something that was uncomfortable and putting that relationship into an uncomfortable spot, she had to trust that that relationship shouldn't come to an end. And we do experience that. We get into these conflictive situations, whether it's with Christ or with others, and we feel, mm, I'm not sure that I want to keep following this, this path anymore. Here's what Matthew 5.46 says. If you love those who love you, or if you love those who treat you well, what reward is that to you? He went on to say, even the worst of sinners can love people that they get along with well. What separates us is when our relationships can withstand conflict. And I thank God all the time that there are people in my life that love me beyond the times that I make them mad. (laughs) Because I know there are times that what I do and what I say and what I think tick people off. And I'm so thankful that there's people who've been able to say, I love you beyond that kind of, um, beyond the point where I can break up, where we break up this relationship over a conflict. And any time that a relationship is jeopardized because there's a fight, we know that's, that's not a sign the relationship isn't right. That's a sign that our devotion level may need to go up a little bit. If we're having conflict and we think that's the time to end it, we have to take a step back and go, no, that's, if I want to demonstrate authentic love, that's when I challenge myself to have a greater level of devotion. 
There's this question in our Prepare and Enrich Marriage Survey. And we have, this is the program that we use for pre-marriage as well as marriage counseling. There's like 200 questions and you have to fill it out. And there's this one question that I always feel is a little bit of a trap question because here's, everybody wants to answer it a certain way, but we know that this isn't truthful. The question says this, there is nothing that could ever make me question my love for my partner. (laughs) And especially those who are just at the beginning stages of the relationship or getting ready for marriage, you feel compelled to answer. There's a scale of one, two, three, four, five, with five being um, never and one being always. (laughs) And there's nothing that could ever cause me to question my love for my partner. And you feel like I should definitely answer never. And those of you who have been in a relationship with anyone for longer or five years know that there are real questions, there are real times in your life and real conflicts that you encounter where it's not even a question whether that should be never. It's, it's, it's a reality. You wake up some days and feel, mm, I don't feel the love that I know I'm supposed to have. But authentic love is not based on feeling, as we say. Truly devoted love is able to look the other person and say, regardless of how I feel, regardless of the conflict that we face today, I choose love. And those are the relationships that add value in our lives. It's Mother's Day. Think about how many times your mom looked at you (laughs) and said, I'm going to choose to love you right now because I don't feel the love right now. And those of you who are moms, think about how many times that's gone through your head. You've chose to love. Now, those are the relationships you want to have, right? Those Those relationships are the ones that make us feel good, that make us feel important, that make us feel like we matter. Those are the kinds of relationships we can have all around us. If we decide instead of to back away when there's conflict, we respond with devotion. So those are the conflicts that we bring upon ourselves, and we see that in Mary's life. But what about the crises that come our way? And that's, that's the next fill in the blank, is the next threat to true devotion is crisis. Mary's life had this encounter where she was plagued spiritually and she experienced something. And if you flip in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, you'll see that scripture says she had seven different demons that she was dealing with. Now, to be honest, we don't know exactly what that means. Some people have interpreted that she had seven personalities and that she was kind of schizophrenic and they, they understood mental health that it could have been a demonic activity. That's a, an older understanding of what that might be. Some people understand it that way. Some people may understand that she had the seven deadly sins and she demonstrated each one of those deadly sins. That'd be lust and gluttony and, um, and she demonstrated that. But whatever it was, we don't know. We do know this, that something was evident to the people that were around her and saw her that she had some stuff going on inside that wasn't of God. But in the midst of her crisis, she's close enough to Jesus And she trusted him enough to some degree to make herself available to be there to the place where he could heal her. And we see that in verse 2. Jesus reaches out and heals her, delivers her from these demons, whatever that may be. You know, in the midst of our own crisis, a lot of us pull back from God. We start to question whether or not God is real because bad stuff is happening around us. It's the ultimate question of faith. We talk about this. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why would God allow me to go through this? And if God, if you're allowing this thing in my life, it must mean that you don't care or that I don't matter to you. And we kind of go into this barter mode and we say, Lord, I'll follow you as long as things go good. And in our relationships with other people, we'll we'll say, I'll stick through this as long as it's easy, as long as there's no big challenges we have to face. And it becomes conditional loyalty instead of authentic devotion, which is what we're looking at in this series. And you know what? 
the interesting thing here, it was Mary's crisis that actually cemented her devotion to God. There's two kinds of stories represented in our room here today. Some of you encountered a life crisis. We all, we all encounter a life crisis. Some of you encounter a crisis in life, and what happened was you felt because of that crisis, I'm taking a step back from my relationship in God. I can't, I can't move forward until this crisis moves on. And for some of you, you encountered a crisis and you said, I'm going closer to God because of this crisis. God acknowledged that this is a sinful world and we will have trouble. That's what he promised us. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. You can have peace because I have overcome the world. And we know that in the midst of crisis, this is when our level of authentic devotion to him gets challenged. And it's in the very time that we're facing this that we don't need to pull away. We need to get closer to him. Here's what Psalm 34 and 17 says. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. So I want you to look at that, look at that verse. He hears them and he delivers them from all their troubles. A lot of people say, well, the Bible's lying to me then. <laughs> because there are times that I've gone through a crisis and I said, Lord, I need help. <laughs> and if he heard me and delivered me from all my trouble, then that crisis wouldn't be there anymore. Now, what if that line, from all their troubles, what if that didn't mean our present reality? What if our trouble was he delivers us because he's going to give us a perfect future and a perfect eternity? What if it means I'm going to deliver you from the stress of having to worry about the next step because I've promised that you can have peace, and I promise that I'll go through this with you, and I promise that this wasn't a shock to me, and I know the ending, and I'm not afraid the way that you're feeling the fear right now. And when we start to understand it from this light, he takes us from this place of having fear to where we have a greater reliance on him. I've shared this story with some of you, I think even in church before I shared it, but when I, just to go back, when I was 17 years old, I was taken at gunpoint and held captive in my own van. I was carjacked in, in, in a parking lot. 17 years old, I've been a Christ follower for two or three years. And I remember, I can remember them coming and putting the handcuffs on me and putting me in my own van with a gun to my head and just telling me to shut up and be quiet and lay there. Now, I'd only, I didn't really have a deep faith with Jesus. I was a teenager, only done it for a couple of years. And I began to feel, I had all kinds of thoughts rushing through my head. My first thought, I always said, I thought we were going over the border and on our way to Mexico. I have no idea why I thought from going Southern Ontario, we were on our way to Mexico. It's not a logical thought, but I, in the midst of crisis, you don't always have logical thoughts. So I'm just saying that's the thought that I had. And I knew that I could call out to God for peace. I did know that. So I said, Lord, give me peace. And I remember being crushed over in the back of that van, and I, I, I turned my body, because I knew they had a gun, because I'd felt the gun and seen the gun. So I, I turned over, because I thought, if a shot goes into my back, that will be less painful than if a shot goes into my front. So I had turned over, and, and I'm just praying over and over, Lord, just give me peace. I don't know what's going to happen, but just give me peace. Just give me peace. And an unbelievable thing happened in the midst of that crisis. I began to relax. And Amanda and I laugh about this all the time. I started to make small talk with the kidnappers who had just taken me at gunpoint, and I was in handcuffs with a blindfold, with a blanket over me, and I'm making small talk with them. And I found out where we were driving, and I actually revealed to them some disturbing information. They found out they were in my neighborhood, so they quickly turned around, and it was my parents' old van that I had been driving, and the, the sliding door, it only opened from 
the inside, and the driver's door only opened from the outside. You had to reach over. So I'm trying to explain to them, no, no, you got to roll down the window because they were going to rob this place, and I knew they wanted to, be, they wanted to get away quickly. So I'm saying to them, guys, you got to roll down the window so that when you come back in, you're going to be able to open that door because if not, you're not going to be able to make it. And I'm, I'm having chit-chat with people that are just taking me at gunpoint, and I move from a place of total fear and thinking I'm going to Mexico and going to die to a place where I'm able to be confident enough to even talk with these people. In that crisis, I learned that God gives me peace. I learned that he can calm the storm raging around us, or at least he can calm the storm raging within when the storm's raging around us. You know what? He didn't, he didn't stop it from happening. I was held captive for a few hours. I was let go. When I, when I got home, I was pretty shaken, and I was in tears, and there was some stuff happening but in the midst of that storm going on around me i felt peace and then i know like it says in psalms 34 and 17 he delivered me from the stress and the fear that was on inside of me i remember going back to school that day and i got home and there was newspapers reporters and the police were all coming and i said i just need to get out of here because i didn't want to talk about it anymore and i was I, i knew that everyone thought i should be really stressed and really worked up about this. So I was able to get out of school, and we were able to go to my friend's house, and we played video games all afternoon, and they all called their parents and said, and said you know, we need to support Rick. He was just kidnapped. And, and, the, parents, and the parents said, what? Like they're, but it was on the news, so they had heard about it, and they said, okay, sure, yeah, you can stay at our house. And they brought us food, and, they brought, and we were allowed to play video games. And I, didn't, I even got out of my exams that year, because this happened in May. I said, I'm way too stressed to write exams. I can't, I can't do that. But, but in, that's truth. But, but inside, inside, it cemented my faith in Jesus more. It was through that moment that I felt called to come and go into ministry. It was through that moment that I felt like, you know, I'm not going to have fear because if he can get me out of that and change my feeling in the middle of that, I know that there's no crisis I don't face where that I can have peace. And the trap that we fall into is that during our crisis, we pull away. And God's saying, no, I want to use this as an opportunity to get closer to you. In the midst of conflict and in the midst of crisis, Mary figured out my devotion to my Savior needs to get even more close. What about devotion in the midst of the ordinary? We've got a picture of a couple there that have been together for who knows how long. And you know, the greatest threat that a lot of relationships face is boredom. We get into a routine. We find a routine in our lives that's a healthy routine. It's a life rhythm that we've established. And then we get this silly idea in our heads that we need to spice it up. We need to change something. And simply the passing of time can be a threat to devotion. Actually, men are more prone to this than women. Women seem to, in in general, find comfort in familiarity and say, if we've established this, let's just keep the boat going. Let's just keep the balance in play. And men feel that familiarity means we just aren't trying hard enough to make life interesting. Every year we set some kind of crazy goal that we want to do or something we want to accomplish. And and there's nothing inherently wrong with that goal. It's just that sometimes it prevents us from maintaining the healthy rhythms and schedules that we've already come to decide that are good for us. We get distracted by what's new and we forget what we establish and why it was, it, it was good. And we have couples who have been devoted for years that stray because they just gave up doing the things that made their relationship healthy from the get-go. And they lose out on authentic devotion because they feel they need to be something new. 
And we have people that, that say, you know what? I can't just keep going to church the same way. I go to church every Sunday and I read my Bible every day and we're, and we're giving and we're doing the same kinds of things. And we, those are the very things that when you first fell in love with Christ, those are the things that you knew, I need to be in church and I need to be in worship and I need to be reading my Bible, but they become routine and you feel, I got to switch this up. This isn't good. This isn't right. And we've, we get this word complacency. Replace that word with devotion. Whenever you feel, hey, this, is, this has become com- complacent, you can reframe that and go, no, actually, this complacency is just the, the results of my ultimate and extreme devotion to doing the same things that have made this relationship good with my spouse, made this relationship good with my Savior. It's a way of expressing love. Devotion is actually expressed in the ordinary. My mom had a little saying. <laughs> she said, Every morning, this is what she drilled into our heads, everyone. Every morning I will do teeth, hands, hair, face, pajamas, bed, toys, and clothes. And when I didn't do that, I came home and there were lines waiting for me. And I wrote that every morning I will do teeth, hands, hair, face, pajamas, bed, toys, and clothes. And when Amanda and I first got married, she's like, why do you make the bed every morning? (laughs) And I was able to look at her because every morning I do teeth, hands, hair, face, pajamas, bed, toys, and clothes. And it's unbelievable. This, this crazy little saying that I had to write out with lines that was ingrained in my head was actually a healthy habit that my mom instilled in me. And it probably drove her crazy because she said, Rick, if you, can, if you can rhyme it off like that, why don't you do it? <laughs> Driving her nuts. But, but it was in that devotion, in that routine going on and on and on that a healthy habit was established. We have these healthy habits in our relationships with God and with others. Let's not figure them out to be mundane. Let's figure them to be devotion. Here's what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says. And let us run the race with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let's keep running the race step after step. I ran the Mississauga Marathon a couple years ago. It was on last weekend. And nobody celebrates when you take one step of a run. Like if you were to run from here to there, nobody would go, well done. (laughs) You made it from here to here. Nobody really even celebrates the one kilometer. But when you run a race like that, people celebrate thousands of steps that you've taken time and time and time again, right? It's, not in, it's that one step repeated, repeated, repeated. People celebrate. How many people in the room, is, do we have any couples that have been together for 20 years or more? Any couple? Can we celebrate these couples that have been together 20 years or more? We celebrate re- repeated devotion, right? Anybody been serving Jesus for 20 years or more? And we, need to serve, we need to celebrate those people too. Come on, they, let's be... <laughs> devotion played out day after day, running the race faithfully, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus is, is not complacent. It's not boredom. It's devotion. We see in Mary, it's in Luke 8 and 3. These women were helping to support them to support Jesus out of their own means. She sacrificed her money. She routinely loved Jesus, not just in the big moments. We, we don't see any big moments about her giving. We only see this little quip that says that she were helping to support them out of their own means. We know that she was giving routinely. And when we give to Christ, he honors that. Okay, last one this morning. We have devotion in the midst of the un- unknown. When you're unsure of what your future is, it's not always easy to stay devoted. When we face a health challenge, when we face a job change, when we face a family change, this is potentially the time when our love for God or our love for others starts to waver. 
And when Jesus was killed, we know that Mary was one of the ones who helped put Jesus into the tomb. We see this in Matthew 27 and 61. We see that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. And they would have had so many questions about what's going to go on next. What's going to happen? I've just seen Jesus die. I've just seen this big change in what I think was supposed to be the plan. And we get the point in our relationships, and it makes us say, where do we go from here? When we, when we hit that stage, our only response is to stay steady on God's principle. Here's what it says, Psalms 119.105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. I love this scripture because it doesn't say your word tells me the beginning and the end of how every situation is going to work out. And it doesn't say your word gives me exact outcomes. It says your word lights my, lights my path and lights my step. And I feel like this morning we're just going to stop here and we're just going to reflect on this thought. I bet that there are some people here this morning, in one relationship or another, you feel ready to give up. Whether it's you feel ready to give up on your faith this morning, you say, you know, it's not worth it anymore. It's, it's too hard. It doesn't make sense. I'm ready to back away. Jesus says, my word is a lamp for your feet. It's a light for your path. Just take one step after the other in true devotion and run the race. Some of you, you may be going to family gatherings this afternoon and there's a strained relationship. And you feel like it's been too conflictive. There's too much going on right now. I can't stay committed in this relationship. And the word of the Lord would say to you, love beyond what feels good. Don't focus on the crisis around you. Focus on the peace that can be given within you. These are real threats to your love and to your devotion. Conflict, crisis, time, and the unknown. But staying devoted requires authentic love, and it's worth it when it's lived out for years. We're going to put the four word pictures back up for you this morning, and we're just going to reflect on this. What we thought is we see this in these, in these four areas, but then we see the word devotion layered on top of it. This morning, why don't you just take a moment, quiet your heart, quiet your mind, and say, Lord, is there one area where I need to have a renewed commitment to devoted, true, sincere, authentic love. And I'm not going to let one of these threats jeopardize a relationship that's worth staying at it. You can close your eyes, bow your head, just look off into space, whatever you need to do. But just let the Holy Spirit challenge you this morning. Where can I be devoted to a greater level? We always come into, into a church service wanting to be challenged. Always come to a time when we open his word wanting, wanting to be challenged. And whatever commitment you make this morning, just beware that God's faithful to, he hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. There's a situation as, he, God also has a great sense of humor. <laughs> as we're preparing for this, for this message, there's been a situation in our life for the last, in the life of our family for the last couple of years that, has been a real conflictive situation and as there's been times when we've been upset and times when we've been in tears and times when we've been frustrated and times when we've been angry over this in this in this relationship and so I'm coming to a time when we're the last couple of weeks as our pastoral team has got together and preparing this message on how to love in conflict 
And in the midst of this, of this situation, we've been praying like, Lord, just give us, give us the answers. Give us a way to demonstrate love. And in the midst of this situation, there's an, this, this individual has caused us so much heartache and so much conflict, actually came to hope and said, your dad's, your dad's a pastor, right? Is he, is he able to do weddings? And said, I'm looking for somebody to, to do my wedding. And so Hope came home and told us. And Amanda and I looked at each other and said, you got to be kidding me. Like, does this person not know how much anger and how much hurt we've experienced in, in the last couple of years because of the conflictive level and the misun- and misunderstandings and things that have happened? Like, and, and, and then God stopped us and said, you've just been praying for a way to show my love in the midst of conflict. So how dare you look at that and say, you can't love in the midst of conflict. So, I mean, I throw that out <laughs> and say, challenge, let's be challenged to live at this level, but let's also be sensitive that if, the whole, if, you, if, you, if you made that commitment this morning, I want to live authentically in the midst of crisis or love authentically in the midst of crisis conflict, in the midst of time passing, in the midst of unknown. Be ready this week for when that challenge comes to live differently, to react differently, to go on and demonstrate this kind of love. I want to pray for us as we close. Lord, we thank you uh, that your word is true and your word is real. And, and you do hear our prayers, Lord. And I thank you that you give us the strength to love beyond human capacity. And when it doesn't feel good or when we can't see the ending, we're able to demonstrate that kind of love, Lord. And Father, I pray for all of us here as a church and all of our campuses and for those who are here, for those who weren't able to be here, Lord, this week we would demonstrate authentic devotion in each one of our relationships. Even today, God, give us the ability to love differently. Your word said that people will know us, we will stand out, we will be identified by our love, by our love for one another. And Lord, I ask that we, that would never come into question when they look at when they look at us and they look at my life, they would say, that guy lives differently and loves people differently. That guy doesn't just love based on what feels good in the surrounding. And Father, I pray over this entire series as we look at the different ways that, that Paul demonstrated, uh, that Paul taught about how to love differently, that God, we would be challenged to live different lives. We thank you so much for your spirit this morning and the way we've been able to get together. Lord, we pray your blessing on all moms here today. Uh, moms here and our moms that aren't here. Father, would you help us share that love with the love that they need to hear and that sometimes maybe they don't hear enough. Help us to do it in a meaningful way today, whatever that looks like in each situation. We thank you and we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.